Hello, I'm Brittany Wilson. I'm Nia Wasink, and you're listening to The The Nonprofit Nonprofit Reframe. Reframe. Together, Nia and I have over 30 years of nonprofit experience. We've worked the program side, the business side, and everything in between. We are reframing the nonprofit experience by challenging the status quo, because we know that nonprofits and their staff are undervalued, under-resourced, and unrelenting. Welcome back to the Nonprofit Reframe. Happy Monday, everybody. We are recording this live on February 8th for release on the 15th, which is the day after Valentine's Day. And President's Day. Oh, yeah, that one too. (laughs) I hope everybody had a great Valentine's. Do you have anything fun planned? Well, we do. We do. Um, Gabriel was able, my husband, was able to get us a little private pod, um, just the two of us, at uh, Left Hand Brewery. Oh, how fun. Yeah. I was really touched that um, he took the initiative and called them and... There was limited availability, but he got on it. and Oh, good for him. Yeah, I mean, it includes beer, so that's the incentive. That helps, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm kind of excited about that. That'll be fun. Mm-hmm. Because one day, I'm assuming, there will not be these little igloo things mm, yes. that we eat in. Someday. And we'll say, remember that time? When we tried to go to a restaurant and <laughs> there is something you're like in a bubble, so quiet and private about it, though, that sounds really nice. Oh, I know it sounds great. That's why I'm saying it's novel, and we may not get this chance again. That's true. Got to take it while you can. Yeah, but Valentine's is my jam. I know a lot of people. Wait, I want... thought Halloween was your jam. Valentine's. I got a lot of. Oh. I got a lot of jams. Lots of jams. Okay. Lot... Yeah. I'm not a one jam woman. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so we don't do holiday cards. We do Valentine's Day cards. Oh, so fun. So I'm, I know. So I'm busy getting those prepared to go out. And um, I know a lot of people think that Valentine's Day is just a Hallmark holiday. But I'm kind of like, you know, if it's about spreading love, why is it so bad? I know. I I was thinking about that, especially this year. Like, I really want to embrace the parts of it where you're just, you're telling folks you love them. We could all use a little bit more of that right now. Yeah, exactly. Well, our Valentine's Day card tradition (laughs) stemmed from originally being a holiday card tradition. And I had (laughs) tiny babies and I um, got, oh, it was right before my first dog that I ever owned was not going to live much longer and so I wanted to get family portraits with her in it because I knew it was imminent and so the photographer came and took them and then I thought well this would be great we'll use this as a holiday card and then he dragged his feet on getting me the pictures Mm -hmm. and so then it became too late for Christmas so I was like that's okay I'll make it a New Year's card (laughs) and then he dragged his feet through the New Year's and I finally said, oh, my gosh, just send me the photo, like a photo. Give me something. <laughs> and then <laughs> the next possible holiday was Valentine's. And then everybody was so excited to receive them because they're so used to holiday cards. Mm-hmm. Like nobody gets a 
And then it went on the fridge and it would just stay there in people's houses because, you know, unlike at Christmas where like you take down all your decorations and you take all the holiday cards down, the Valentine's ones, they're evergreen. They just, they're (laughs) applicable all year long. So what I'm hearing is that your whole goal is for the Wilson family to be on my fridge until next Christmas. That, yes. Okay. okay. That's exactly right. Great. (laughs) (laughs) So we'll have to see. I'll let... I'll let listeners know. Mm-hmm. Can't the wait. first time I come to your house and we're not there, <laughs> I'll say, "What was it that made you take it down?" <laughs> <laughs> do you have plans? What are you all doing? We do not. Um, our anniversary is a couple weeks after Valentine's Day, which oh, how fun! Poor planning on our part. So we don't usually do much for Valentine's Day. I think we'll probably get a fun dinner um, that you know, catered or whatever, delivered. Delivered is what I meant. Um, but otherwise, yeah, probably not too much. And then for our anniversary, we are planning to do a bit more. Uh, we actually ordered a wedding cake. <laughs> are you serious? Yeah, yeah. It's a little one. Like, it, it wouldn't feed a whole wedding. But, like, we went in, we picked out a special flavor and the whole nine, um, and we'll pick it up on our anniversary to go with a lovely dinner. Oh my gosh, that's so cute. I've never even thought about that. What a great idea. Well, our, and I think I've shared this a little bit with listeners in the past, um, our wedding was not about us. Um, It was about everybody else. So neither of us could even remember our cake. Um, And it certainly Mm. wasn't like flavors we would have chosen. It was more for everybody else there. So I was like, well, we could could have our own cake. And literally nobody else will share it with us right now because we're in a Panasonic. And... Let's do it this year. So we did. A Panasonic. A Panda Express. <laughs> a Panoramics. Nice. I like it. Yeah. I like it. Oh, uh, well, that's fun. Yeah. You'll have to tell me later how it was. I will in a couple weeks. Well, this Valentine's Day is really um, what spurred the theme for today's topic. It did. Um, as we were thinking about sharing the love with each other, with our friends and family, we thought we should do that for some of our, from our, some of our baby fundraisers out there. Mm, little baby fundraisers. This one is for you. We talked about this months ago about how, you know, if I only knew then what I know now when I first started out, um, and what we would say to our little baby selves when we just started and how we should do that for others. Yeah, we, I think more than anything, uh, Brittany and I would love more fundraisers to enter into the field um, and to stay. And so part of this yeah. is just showing the love to those of you who are maybe stepping into fundraising roles. Um, maybe this is, this is a new one for you. Maybe you've even been in nonprofits before, but you're newer to the fundraising side of things. Uh, this is our, our love letter to you. Okay, you ready? Yeah, let's do it. All right. Dear Little Baby Fundraisers. (laughs) (laughs) Nia and Brittany here. We just want to start off by saying thank you. Thank you for taking the job, whether you were forced into it, (laughs) fell into it, or strategically applied and then got it. We're glad you're here. 
I really want to insert the like Delilah show <laughs> theme song. <laughs> exactly. So little baby fundraisers. And to be clear, we don't necessarily just mean young people. We just mean new in fundraising. Freshies. Yeah. Green. What what you're about to learn as you continue on this path is that it's hard. It can be lonesome. And hopefully it's really rewarding. Yes. Yes. So, you know, going back to what you were saying at the beginning, we need you. We really, the sector really need do. You. Humanity needs you. <laughs> oh, whoa. <laughs> Putting humanity on them. <laughs> it's true. No pressure. No pressure. But we all know, um, first of all, it's a great career move because everyone needs a good fundraiser. That's true. And if you good, get good at it, 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 you're traded like football players. Yeah. Job security. You've got job security. And even if you decide that you want to switch, there's usually a lot of job openings. Yes. Yep. Which, here, first first pearl of wisdom Ooh, to our baby fundraisers. I love it. It's easier to fundraise if you give a shit about what you're fundraising for. So find, 100%. find those organizations that align with your values, your beliefs, what you truly care about. You are just going to be a better fundraiser for them, which means the job will be that much easier. Fundraising is a lot like sales, mm-hmm. right? Yep. So we've talked about this before. Um, if you have been told that you would be a good salesperson, if you've worked in sales, they there's a lot of um, there's a lot of shared skills in those professions. But I've been told many times that I could sell ice to Eskimos, which I don't think is maybe an appropriate thing to say anymore. <laughs> first of all, um, and second of all, um, that's not true because I know that I can't do a really good job at my job unless I believe in quote unquote what I'm selling. So you don't believe and, in ice. So I I just don't believe in ice. So um I think that's such a great little nugget of wisdom because unlike sales where you maybe get commissions off what you sell <laughs> <laughs> not so much over here <laughs> we don't get that we don't get that so you're you're really trying um for that feel good feeling those are our commissions mm. and you get more feel good feelings when you believe in what you're doing yeah which brings me to another pearl of wisdom i think when the going gets tough when it feels hard i would always come back to that bigger vision of what we're doing. As a fundraiser, not only are you raising money for this important work, you're actually engaging your community in it. You are educating people who maybe didn't even know that these issues existed in their community. You are playing such a pivotal role in ensuring that your community is informed, engaged, and excited about the changes your organization is going to make. I love it. Yes. Cheerleading over here. Here's my um, pearl of wisdom, as you call it. 
It is not solely on you to raise the funds for your organization. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you might be made to feel that way. You might just feel that way anyways because you take a lot of pride in your work and in your job and so you bear a lot of the responsibility. But at the end of the day, if you have a healthy fundraising program at your organization, everybody is part of the fundraising. It's not on one person. That's that culture of philanthropy we talk about. Yep. Mm -hmm. Similarly, if you are looking at your first fundraising job, maybe even applying for some early career fundraising jobs, I think it's really important to understand the values of the organization, um, the values of who your supervisor would be, especially around fundraising. Um, you know, we just got off this five-week kick of the donor cycle and told some some real horror stories of working with donors. <laughs> um, and so you you want a, a boss that that's going to support your boundaries when when things don't go right, they're going to stand behind you and next to you even. Um, yep. And that's a really important thing to understand up front. Uh, we, we did get some feedback from our last uh, series um, about our focus on major donors. Um, it made some of our listeners feel like maybe their donations weren't as important, which was certainly not our intent. But the reason we talked about major donors so much is because they're the, they're the ones who treat us the shittiest. Mm. And get away with it. Mm -hmm. And so that's why we have so many horror stories about that. So if you're a new fundraiser, you want to make sure that you've got a boss who's going to let you turn down a gift when somebody treats you horribly. Yeah. Yep. I'm going to go even further and say, little baby fundraiser, you're not a pariah. Yes. <laughs> People will say, oh, you're a fundraiser? You have to ask people for money all day. I would hate that job. I'm so glad I don't have that job. You know, it's like you are the skeezy person in the organization that has to do the heavy lifting of asking people to pull their wallets out and give money. And that's not true. First of all, as we've learned... Fundraising is not just about asking people for money at all. It's all the things that Nia said. It's being a connector. It's connecting your mission and the work of your organization to the greater community. And then really getting people to come on board by supporting that and investing in the organization. And if you hear people in the organization talking about fundraising in that way, leave. Like, just get yeah. out. That is a, get a toxic out. fundraising environment. Yeah. Yeah. There is nothing slimy about fundraising except for when, like Nia was talking about, there is um, inappropriate behavior because of the power dynamics and the fundraiser ends up having to deal with it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Another little, little uh, tidbit little little bit of advice um don't go after jeff bezos <laughs> <laughs> don't, 
don't do it. Even though he claims he's stepping down to focus on philanthropy does not mean that that is including your little itty bitty organization in the middle of nowhere United States. And it really is this two pronged thing. Like, okay, so Jeff Bezos is the name of today, but it'll go back to Oprah or um, what's the Microsoft guy? Why am I forgetting his name? Gates. Right. What's his Bill Gates Foundation. Bill, Bill Gates. There we go. You're right. There are all the always these names. And whether it's board members or volunteers or just even other people in the organization who tell you to go after that money, and I put after in quotes because I just I hate that kind of language in fundraising, the likelihood of them caring enough to make a donation to your local organization is very slim. Um, if you're working for a huge organization with big impact, sure. But we're talking to the majority of fundraisers who are starting off locally, small organizations. Um, so you've got that, like, just it's not worth your time to be chasing after big dollars, especially big dollars that aren't in your community. But also, they aren't the kind of philanthropists you want all the time. Like right now, I would not recommend Jeff Bezos to most of my clients. The money he is making off of his company and the way he runs it is unethical. And I wouldn't want to touch that money. Does that include Amazon Smile? Fuck Amazon Smile. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, I just had to (laughs) throw that in there. (laughs) It's been a few months since we've said that, so I'm, I'm glad we brought it back. Here's one. Yeah. Form a network, join a network, find colleagues in your area or not in your area who has been in the sector longer, who have um, maybe uh, a longer perspective on it. Because one thing that I think happens to fundraisers a lot, um, especially new fundraisers, is that they come into a position and the expectations of what that person is supposed to raise for the organization is unrealistic. Mm -hmm. Yep. But they are so fresh and so green that they don't know that, right? Mm -hmm. And so it's like they're set up to fail. Yep. And it's a horrible experience. They don't meet the expectations because there's just no way you can. We all know um, that fundraising is built on relationships. It takes time to build those relationships. If they already haven't been created before you get in there as a fundraiser, then you're starting from square one and you just can't jump into a fundraising role and start bringing in million dollar gifts right out the gate. And so it sets them up to fail and they leave. Yeah. Yep. They leave. And you'll see those organizations who cannot keep a fundraiser mm-hmm. for the life of them because it's the same scenario over and over and over and over again until may- maybe they get someone in who says, whoa, 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 wait a minute. This isn't probable. Like, let's retool this mm-hmm. and, you know, create a different strategy. Yeah. So have enough... Um, contacts in the industry that you can start asking some of those questions yeah you know they want me to do this first time event that's never happened and they want me to bring in two hundred thousand dollars <laughs> right yeah is that realistic no honey no no Mm-mm. no <laughs> it's not that's such a good point though and i know we talk about this a lot on the pod of like how our friendship was so important is so important not past tense <laughs> Oh, something you're trying to tell me here. 
<laughs> but having colleagues in the same field to even just bounce ideas around uh, with yeah. is really important. Um, and then there are the formal structures like Association of Fundraising Professionals. There are local development peer groups. I, I, there are a lot of ways to really get support from others. Um, and I just think about how many times I made mistakes that probably somebody in that group had already done and could have warned me yep. if I had been more plugged in and engaged in those earlier in my career. Yep. I've got another one. Go for it. I'm going to keep going. Mm-hmm. Take time to celebrate your wins. Yes. Yes. We work so hard. We're so goal-oriented and we're just charging towards that goal, whether it's an event goal, a year-end goal, a campaign goal, whatever that might be. And the thing about nonprofits is as soon as you hit it, there's another goal right after it or a new year starts over. And it's really easy to just gloss over when you've hit a goal because now you're refocused on the next target. And that's how you'll burn out. If you don't take time to really um, celebrate your wins and take stock of all the work that you've done and your team's done and the organization has done, then it can feel just relentless. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's such a good point. Um, And again, something if you're interviewing for new jobs, looking for new positions, something I would ask in the interview is what's the culture around celebration? Because it's way more fun when you've got a whole team who's doing it with you. Absolutely. You know, as we're part of this love love letter, obviously, is some advice because we want you to stay in the field. We want you to find jobs that are wonderfully fulfilling, that are going to allow you to grow and develop and become a long-term fundraiser with us um, because we're, we, we don't have enough. Um, and it's such a unique position. I mean, I think the majority of us in nonprofits do this because we really care. We want to make a difference. We want to help solve something. It takes a special person to say, and I'm going to do that by raising money. (laughs) (laughs) So, like, embrace that uniqueness that you have. That that's a really amazing thing that you have going for you. And uh, are you saying wear that unicorn horn proudly? Wear that horn. Love it. Let that horn shine mm-hmm. for all to see. Yes. Yeah. Um, I'm going to even go so far and say, little baby fundraiser, you are competent. Oh, yes. Right? Mm-hmm. This is a field, and maybe they're all like that. Who knows? I just feel like this is a field where everybody feels like they know how to do it, but have never actually done it. And so you get a lot of advice. Um, Sometimes it's helpful. Sometimes it's naive. And you're left feeling as if, you know, people think that maybe you're not as competent or that you didn't, you couldn't make it in the for-profit field. So you had to go into nonprofits. That's a very Brittany thing. (laughs) Oh, God, it kills me. (laughs) I know. You're here by choice Mm -hmm. and you're here because you're smart and you're driven and you're passionate and you want to make a difference in this world. And this is a great place to do it. Mm -hmm. 
I know most of our listeners aren't little baby fundraisers. So if you've made it this far in the episode and you are a, a longer term fundraiser, you've made it past that initial hurdle and decided you want to keep doing this, great. Uh, reach out to a little baby fundraiser. Oh, I love that. Mm-hmm. I think the role of mentorship is so important. Um, and and it doesn't have to be after you hit like a major career milestone. You don't need your CFRE to be a mentor. Because so much of it is really just listening and being like, yeah, I've been there too. Yeah, my board and that budgeting process was awful. And it just helps fundraisers feel less isolated. Absolutely. Um, I think I've said this before. I really like to do this even when people don't ask. <laughs> I just... <laughs> I force mentorship on people. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> um, yeah, I love saying, you know, my mentee. And they're like, what are you talking about? I've never asked you to be my mentor. That's okay. Just listen to what I'm saying. <laughs> But it's great that you're in that role, Brittany, and helping them out. Yeah. <laughs> Just trust me. Just listen. All right. What else you've got? That that was my list. I know. I think that's mine too. And you know what? You bring up a good point that there's a lot of people listening that have been in this field for a while, and yet these are all things that we can all hear. Mm-hmm over and over again. Yeah. You know, I actually, I think back to some of my early jobs in nonprofits. And even if like the other staff at my organization had heard this kind of thing and heard about the pressures of a new fundraiser, I feel like that initial support would have been different. Even if they didn't fully understand fundraising, didn't understand what I was doing, having a team around me who who would celebrate, who would help me put mailings together at the 11th hour because I still hadn't done it, whatever. You know, like that was really important. And if if more organizations had this culture of really understanding and embracing fundraising and adopting a culture of philanthropy across the organization, again, I think we would have less turnover because fundraisers would feel supported and like they're part of these larger missions. Yeah, and that their job is vital, right? right? I mean, we all know how critical it is. Um, and I think – as it should be, the focus most of the time is on the programming, is on the actual work being done and the people that are delivering those services. And it, it saddens me that sometimes there's such a disconnect between program staff and administrative staff because, um, I mean, I know it's cliche, but we really are all working for the same goal. Um, but I do think that there tends to be a lot less understanding of what a fundraiser does. Mm-hmm. And so it can seem very isolating and um, maybe not lifted up mm-hmm. as much as it could be. That's such a good point. Um, I kind of forgot about this. A couple of years ago, I did this um, training called Fundraising for Program Staff, specifically mm. so that they could better understand what what was going on in fundraising and how they could collaborate with fundraisers. And I would say probably the audience was split of, you know, half fundraisers, half to program staff, partially because the fundraisers wanted to know how to convey it better to their teams so that they could yep. go back and talk to their program director who is theoretically their peer. And yet there isn't that kind of info sharing from the fundraising side to the program side like there is from the program side to the fundraising side. 
Um, and it was just so great to see these these folks who who really wanted to be um, to be able to be part of the fundraising in some way, even if that wasn't their primary job. Um, I yeah. think more and more programming staff doing that, and even this is going to sound ridiculous, but it's like reaching across the aisle. It genuinely makes a difference, and people feeling like they've got a place of belonging at the organization. It feels like that. It really does. That's a great way to put it. Um, yeah, and I just think the fact that our titles are such, I don't know, vague, like development. Who the hell knows what development is? <laughs> it's dumb. Can I just say? It's, it's really just dumb. dumb. It is. And I think that's part of it. I can't tell you how many times I have been introduced by a program staff to someone and they go to say what, you know, what I do for the organization or my title. And they're like, I don't actually know what you do right? or what your title is. <laughs> and, you know, I get it. And it kind of stings, yeah. right? It's kind of like, oh, all right. It's like when I started my consulting firm and my family members would ask me how grant writing was going. Oh, no, no. I'm, I'm a fundraising strategy consultant. But sure, we can talk about grant writing. I don't do it. <laughs> I know. And I think that that's a big part of it, whether it's, you know, within the organization or just within your own family or extended family. You know, so many different, you know, aunts and uncles and cousins of mine that really, they know I'm doing quote unquote good work. Yeah. You know, but they have no idea what it is. <laughs> Yeah. So I, I do think that that's, there's that shared um, misunderstanding. And I mean, we talk about it even with our spouses. Oh, my God. All the time. Yeah. And to have such taxing work and, um, and to have that weight. We've talked about it before, that pressure of, you know, well, if I don't put in the extra time or the extra effort, it can affect people's salaries. It can affect our clients and what services we're able to provide. And so... There's that constant, um, I have to put in 120%. Um, And I think that that is maybe my last point that I would like to make. You talked about boundaries and boundaries with, obviously, donors and and that thing. But um, it's also just remembering your boundaries with work life. Yes. I think those of us who get into fundraising and enjoy it are not only susceptible to what you're talking about there, like just that, that weight of the organization's success being so tied to our work, but also we get in and we really love it. Like it, having these conversations is really fun. You know, finding the person who is just as excited about what we're doing as we are is fun, but then it allows us to also not have that great balance. And 40 hours a week becomes 50, becomes 60, becomes I haven't seen a weekend in months. So again, if you are a baby fundraiser right now, this is a great opportunity to actually set those boundaries yourself so that you don't end up like Nia, who works too much. It, but truly, I mean, it, it's a it's a hard thing to like shift later on in your career right. versus starting off with just being really healthy about how you work. Absolutely. Setting those boundaries early um, and really being able to turn the phone off not answer the email and that's hey we know it it is a lot easier said than done but again these are all things that lead to that burnout yeah take a 
fucking vacation. Yes. Take a vacation. Take a vacation. I can't tell you how many fundraisers I know that have vacation time up the wazoo because they've never taken it. They're losing. They're like not even accruing vacation hours anymore because they've hit the max that they're able to accrue. I, I'm leaving myself a note. Take a vacation. Yeah. This this whole love letter is really just to Nia. <laughs> <laughs> this was my whole plan. <laughs> Perfect. My evil my evil plan for her to listen to the words coming out of our mouths and apply them to herself. <laughs> oh gosh, I love it. Well, I think that's all I got. I hope you all just had a wonderful Valentine's Day, whether spent uh, with your pets, with your family, uh, with friends on TikTok, whatever it is. I just hope you had a day (laughs) filled with love. Um, And if you didn't, here's a great opportunity actually to go spread some. Tell somebody you love them. Yeah. And if you know somebody that's new to uh, the fundraising role share this episode with them oh great idea i love that yeah Mm -hmm. pay it forward Mm -hmm. (laughs) well we want to hear from you as always we would love to know um okay you've been a fundraiser for 20 years what would you have wanted to hear or what if you could go back in time to when you first started out what would you tell yourself so please send those to us and remember we are still taking uh fundraising fails and successes oh. until the end of February. Um, we really, really would love to do a um, a listener compilation episode in March of all the stories you send us about that donor cycle. So um, again, you can email us nonprofitreframe at gmail.com. You can also direct message us on Instagram or Facebook. If you send us um, a story, we will anonymize it for you. So it will never come back to you or your organization, which means you should be brutally honest. (laughs) (laughs) And if you have capacity, show your love to your local nonprofits. Please remember to give and give generously. Thanks, folks. We would like to thank our sponsors. Mission Launch is a Colorado-based nonprofit consulting firm focusing on fundraising and board governance. You can learn more at missionlaunchco.com. And Jake Walker Music, who provides our theme music. You can find him at jakewalkermusic.org. Thank you so much.